Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are so happy that you joined us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, if you are a member of First United Methodist Church, I would uh, encourage you to sign up if you received your newsletter, sign up for one of the Zoom Meet Your New Pastor sessions. This pastor really wants to get to know you, and uh, with two-thirds of our faces covered by masks, I've just been able to try to put people, people's names together with their height and their hair, but I don't, haven't had a chance to, to mingle in a way that I would start getting to know you more dimensionally, and I really, really want to learn about your families and how you came to be a part of First Church and what your hopes and dreams are for, for your life and for the life of this church. So if you would sign up for one of those sessions, I would be so appreciative. It would be so like, fun and, and delightful to meet you by way of Zoom when I would be able to see all of your face and not just one third of it. Uh, also, Karen is putting together a new directory and is asking for people to send in photographs. So if you could send in a photograph of yourself or your family for a kind of informal church directory, that would be helpful as well. Um, so thank you for attending to both of those things and thank you for being here this morning. Let us join together in our call to worship, reading responsively. We gather here where God would teach us so we, we may learn to be more compassionate so we may be taught how to be more loving. We gather here where Jesus would teach us the wisdom to choose forgiveness over holding a grudge, the language of hope so that we may speak to all. We gather here where the Spirit imparts wisdom so that we may know how to share grace, so we would learn to welcome all to this table.
as you might have gathered from our call to worship. The theme of this morning's service is forgiveness and community. With our hearts and minds united, let us now pray together our opening prayer. All you ask of us is to love one another, God of our lives, and you are more than willing to teach us how. Yet we find this simple request so hard to carry out, this easy lesson so difficult to learn. Someone cuts us off in traffic and we curse them. Another buys something we want but cannot afford and we overflow with jealousy. A friend gets the acclaim we wanted and we whisper about them behind their backs. Forgive us, merciful God, and unclasp our hands from our grudges. With Christ in our midst, help us to become the people you dream about, loving, merciful, gentle, and compassionate people of God. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Heron. I am one of the teachers at the Early Learning Center at First Church. You may know my mother, Miss Karen Turney in the office. Pastor Elizabeth asked me to record a children's lesson today because I work with kids all day and she wanted something different. Uh, this week's lesson is on forgiveness in the Early Learning Center. That is something that we work on all the time because kids make mistakes. I am going to be using the Joshua Codes for Kids, I Can Learn the Bible. This is a great resource if you want to pick it up. Um, the title of this lesson is Giving Grace. Um, each lesson starts with a memory verse. This week's memory verse comes from Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. It's a very important verse and I suggest that you learn it and keep it in your heart. Well, this lesson begins with a story. So let's begin. Jackson was trying not to cry as he got out of the car to go into school. The day before, he had struck out three times in his baseball game and his friend Cade had made fun of him in front of all of his teammates. Jackson was embarrassed and feeling angry toward Cade. As he walked down the hall, he turned the corner only to find Cade trying to carry his lunch and books while walking on crutches. That's an impossible task. Jackson then heard that Cade had badly hurt his leg on a trampoline and had been in the hospital most of the night. As the teacher began class, she asked for someone to volunteer to carry Cade's books around for him all day. Jackson's heart began to pound. He remembered learning about the word grace in church. Even though he really didn't want to, he knew God wanted him to raise his hand. He knew that it was the right thing to do, and so he did. And all day, Jackson helped Cade get from class to class, carrying all of his things. You know, what Jackson did was really kind. Even though what Cade did to Jackson, making fun of him for not being great at baseball, wasn't very kind. Jackson showed grace to Cade that day. 
So what is grace? Grace means doing something kind for someone who does not deserve it. Grace means showing love to someone who may have hurt you. Jesus is our very best example of grace. Jesus left heaven and came to earth to die for a bunch of people who sinned against him and disobeyed him constantly. When we deserved nothing, Jesus came to give us everything. How amazing is that? Jesus is the best example of grace that we could ever have. That's why the Bible tells us to be like him. So, how can you show grace? Let's find out. Is there someone in your life who has hurt you? Could it be your brother or your sister, a friend, a cousin, anyone? Try to think of three ways you can show grace to the person who has hurt you. Like Jackson showed grace to Cade by carrying his books, even after Cade had made fun of him. Jesus says that we need to love even those people who do not love us. It is a very hard thing to do, but as you hide our memory verse in your heart and mind, God will help us. And he'll will, he will help you. Let's read that memory verse again. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. Remember, we didn't deserve God's love. We didn't deserve the sacrifice of Christ. But God did it anyway. God loves us anyway. That's grace. So we can show grace to others. We can forgive others even when they hurt us. When someone comes to us to say that they're sorry, if we don't have to say it's okay, like they can do it again. But we can say we forgive you. I forgive you. That's grace. We can be nice to them even if they don't say sorry. That's grace. This week, write out the memory verse and put it by your bed so that you remember to be kind to others, to show grace to others as Christ showed grace to us. This book also provides a prayer that I'm going to lead you in. But in the middle of this prayer is a fill in the blank for you to put in who you're having trouble showing grace to. In that sentence it says, please especially help me to show grace to blank. I want you to fill in the, your own blank with whoever it is in your life that you need to show grace to. I'll fill in my own blank. Dear Jesus, thank you for teaching me about grace. Show me who you want, to, want me to give grace to this week. Please especially help me to show grace to, here's your blank, for me, help me to show grace to my kids who are, aren't very kind all the time. Thank you for giving me grace when I did not deserve it. Amen. Now I pray that you have a fantastic week, that you remember to show grace to everyone, even those it's 
hardest to show grace to and that people remember to show grace to you. Have a great week. I'm praying for you all. Bye, guys. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our New Testament lesson is found in the 13th chapter of Romans, beginning with the 8th verse. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 18th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 15th verse. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. One of my friends told me about something he did in the eighth grade. I would tell you a story about my own teenage misbehavior if I had any such stories. I don't, sadly. One of my biggest regrets in life is not misspending more of my youth. But Rob, Rob had a lot of stories like that. In one, he was sitting in the back row of his science class and he and his friend Fred were not happy with life as it was, so they decided to run away. Actually, more accurately, they decided to drive away. On a cold February evening at age 14, Rob left a note for his parents on the pillow. 
an explanation that was filled with venom, pushed the car out of their carport, started it up, and drove off to pick up Fred. Within minutes, they were on their way to the family beach house in South Carolina. Well, less than 48 hours later, they had put 500 miles on the car and had spent a night in the runaway cell of the Beaufort County Jail. As you might have guessed, both Rob and Fred were punished for their rebellious and dangerous actions as they deserved to be. They had been foolish and selfish. They had, had violated parental trust and all kinds of family rules. Making amends wouldn't be easy, but Rob's family went to the trouble of typing up a sheet of suggestions for him. He still has that list to this day. His parents signed it, he signed it, and the Episcopal priest of their parish signed it. In summary, he couldn't listen to music, talk on the phone, or attend any social activities except soccer practice and church for an entire month. He was restricted from getting a learning permit for six months after he was eligible to receive one. And when he was old enough to get his actual driver's license, the sheet his parents had typed up read this. We will decide when to allow you to apply for your permanent driver's license. You will not be allowed to apply for it automatically just because you are the right age. If you show us that you can behave responsibly between now and then, your chances of applying for your license then will be increased. Well, yikes. He had two years to shape up. Two years to realize that being a part of his family meant that his wills and desires didn't come first. This plan of his parents was punishment, but it was also a means of reconciliation, a means of calling him back into the family. His personal conduct, his, his stupid, dangerous actions had caused anguish and anger. But his parents also responded in love. They didn't exchange evil for evil. Their loving response smoothed the response then path for Rob's repentance. I don't know where each of you learned about conduct and discipline. It may have been in school or in church. It may have been from someone in your family, your father or your grandmother. Someone taught you, you don't talk to your grandmother like that. Or, I know your brother hit you first, but that doesn't mean you should hit him back. Somewhere you learned about manners and justice and forgiveness, and you didn't learn those things in a vacuum. There are two ways to learn these things. You can either be told what is wrong and unacceptable, or you can be told what is best and expected. A list of don'ts or thou shalt nots, or a list of do's. Jesus certainly left us a blueprint for conduct in Christian community, and Paul certainly wasn't short of ideas about behavior and relationship. And in today's readings, we, we actually get a description from Paul and a similar one from Jesus. Fundamentally, they both center on the ways that we relate to others in Christian community, which means both lessons teach us something important about being the body of Christ. The talk between Jesus and his disciples concerns 
how we conduct ourselves when sin and offense enter our community and cause division. And basically, Jesus gives us a three-step program for calling the sinner, the lost one, back into the fold. Jesus says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and po point out the fault when the two of you are alone. Interestingly, it's the wounded party that is supposed to take the initiative. That person is not to let the problem stew and grow and fester. It is to be dealt with privately first. Why? Because the other person might be unaware of the offense. It is also a first step rooted in respect and love, not some sort of sentimental, gushy, and sweet love, but love that is clear and sincere, love that thrives from the hope that the relationship can be restored with honesty and repentance, with forgiveness and reconciliation. The time Rob and his family spent with their priest after Rob ran away was like this. It wasn't easy, but often forgiveness isn't for anyone. The person or people who are wounded or the person who has offended and feels his or her pride is at stake. The next two steps toward reconciliation, which Jesus presents, involve the wider community. The two people at odds live in a community, and as they start rocking the boat with their disagreement, they cause ripples in the pond. Before the ripples become waves, the church as a whole must get involved to say, you know, hey, these, these concepts of repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation aren't just intellectual constructs. They have to be lived out if we are going to be who we say we are as the church. If we are to be the body of Christ, this enmity cannot be given a foothold. The whole body would be wounded if that were to happen. So it is healing that we must pursue. The involvement of other members of the community can be called for not to gang up on people, but to call such people to repentance and eventually to restoration of relationship. Paul's words in Romans also focus on the individuals who pick up their cross to follow Christ and find themselves in a corporate parade of cross-bearers. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, this chapter in Romans, Paul appears, appeals to the Christians in Rome to conduct themselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. He then describes this behavior as spiritual worship, so as to extend the concept of worship out from Sunday mornings in a church building to the everyday actions of their lives. And then Paul lists the do's in Christian life. We talked about them uh, recently. Be ardent in spirit, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. These are life-giving acts. They are not only for the good of each individual, they are for the good of the whole community. The principle that guides us all is love. You know some of the other words that Paul wrote about love. Love is patient, love is kind. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. His foundational rule for Christian community is love. Throw love into the pool and it will send ripples 
in all directions. Paul says, let that love be genuine. And when you love one another, do so with mutual affection. Paul actually uses the word agape here for love. Agape is the Greek word he usually reserves for God's unconditional, merciful love for us. But it is the word that Paul uses to appeal to the Romans as he urges them to make this kind of love a reflex, an automatic response in relationship with one another. Life in the community of God's children demands through its very definition as the body of Christ, love that reigns above everything else and motivates every action taken. Love motivates us to extend hospitality to strangers. Agape allows us to bless those who persecute us. It gives us the reflex to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Agape erases pride, calls on us to associate with all God's children, and most of all, directs us from returning evil with evil. The point of all this is that understanding Christian community involves the humility of knowing that we are interdependent, interdependent in the love and power of God's spirit. That was the winsomeness of the gospel in the early church. Others, outsiders, saw the way that Christians treated one another and the world at large, and they wanted in. They wanted to be a part of that. That's one reason why Paul writes so often about the way Christians treat one another. That is the best way to make Christ known, Paul says. So he's constantly using another Greek word in his letters, alelon, which means one another. Christians are members of one another, alelon. We are to build up one another, alelon. We are to, to submit to one another, Alelon. The way the community lives together, how we treat each other in love, testifies to the world that the church is indeed a creation of God's spirit and that it lives differently than the rest of the world because God's spirit is, is present, enabling us to know of God's love for us and enabling us, empowering us, equipping us to love one another in his name. We belong to each other because we belong to God. So throw love in the pool and it will send out ripples in all directions. Go make a splash. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let's join together in affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now may you go forth in peace.
to love God and your neighbor and all that you do. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Amen. Fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell.